Welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Okay, so today we have David Thomas part two. I've got a lot of feedback from people. They definitely had a lot to say about um, David Thomas in the first interview. If you didn't hear it, you have to go back and listen to it. He really does divulge a lot of information. He's a very interesting man, and he is the definition of a real stylist. Today, we're going to talk about his book. We're also going to talk about his clothing line that he's coming out with and some more gossip about the royal family and who wrote the forward to his book. Here we go. Okay, like yes, I, I want to get to your book <laughs> and your menswear brand because that's very important to me. So I know your book, which is very interesting. Um, wait, let me just find it. What's the name of the book? Vanity Project, A Tale of Fashion and Celebrity Style by Dave Thomas. So now tell me, what made you write the book? Well, um, did you I, have good stories to tell? Well, I did. I hope really, so. I Come on, really, David, you got to give us something. I didn't want to do a book. I didn't. I was asked by the Prince of Wales to, when I, when I met him for the first time over 10 years ago. Prince Charles. Um, yes. To, to write a book, to illustrate a Prince's Trust success story, to raise awareness of the charity um, and, and money for the charity and, and to other, encourage other young people really to, to follow their dreams. So, so he that, wrote the forward to the book. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I know that yeah. Prince Charles wrote the forward to the book. So is, oh, why does it say battery is running low? I don't know what that means here. We might have to connect it. I don't want to get cut off because now it's getting even juicier. I just want to know what is the connection between you and Prince Charles? Was it what you just said? He called to, to have you, you know, you never styled him. No, I've never styled him, but the, the, the charity that gave me the grant to start my own business is called the Prince's Trust. And it was um, founded by Prince Charles and it's his charity. So um, I was invited to this function at St. James's Palace in London and um, a Prince's Trust event. And I just thought I was going to go anyway. So I turned up and, and I checked in and everyone was going left and they said, oh no, you have to go right. So I went right and I got ushered into this small room, which I found out later is called the gun room. And there were about four people in there. Did you say the gun room, G-U-N? Yeah, and there was all uh -huh. guns on the wall. Yeah, uh -huh. the gun room. Okay. And um, somebody, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And they said, oh, the, the Prince of Wales will be in to join you shortly. And then there he was. And he was like, oh, David, we're so proud of you. And um, used to, you used to be a plumber and you knew all about me. And he said, look, I'm, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy. Wait, how, wait I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. How did he know you were a plumber? I even knew that. And I didn't even bring it up in the beginning. So you <laughs> were a plumber's apprentice in the UK for four years. And then after four years of working under a, a plumber to become a plumber, you just went into styling. How did, how did he know that? How did Prince Charles know this? I, I, I don't, honestly don't know, but they, I, I think he'd obviously been brief, but I was so impressed that he was, that he knew. Maybe he story. wanted you to fix one of his toilets. I don't know. I, don't know. I didn't have a tool to it. <laughs> yeah. but, so he was just like, you know, uh, we're so proud of you. And I, I would really love you to write a book, you know, as I said to, um, and I just didn't, I mean, I, I, I didn't know that I was going there to meet him. I just thought I was going to an event. So anyway, I, I, I left, he left the room and I went into the main event and then this guy came up to me, like a security guy, you know, that, that speaks into their wrist. Yeah. <laughs> said, Oh, the <laughs> Prince, the Prince would like you to join him. So I, 
he led me over to the the Prince Charles and, and he turned around and said, oh, hello, David. Everyone here know David? He used to be a plumber. He's like so successful, <laughs> one of the best stylists in the world. And he took me around the room. So that's how the book came about. He asked me to do it. And I struggled with it for for quite a while because I was it was just like, I don't feel like I'd done enough to to. How long ago was this, the Prince Charles? How long ago uh, was this? Over 10 years that he asked okay. me to do it. Wow. And then I and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. In my, in my, but I don't want to. First of all, I'm a working stylist, so I'm still in the business. So so I can't be writing a book and giving everything away. I, and and a lot of the time, you you have to sign an NDA, so there's stuff you can't talk about. So how and you also need it? to make money. You also need to make money styling people. You need the t- to to save the time to be working as well. Yeah. So I was most concerned about it being boring and 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 being a bit. Um, I'm not a kind of flashy person, so it just didn't sit very comfortably. Then I had this idea, okay, I'll do it as a coffee table book, but I'll get other people to write about the period in time. So my voice kind of link will link the whole thing through 30 years. I'll tell my story of how I I grew up and how I I was a plumber and how I ran away to London and then New York and how I came to be a fashion editor and, and everything else. But interspersed with that, I'll ask people that were important to me in my career throughout the last 30 years to step in and give their version of events. So it starts off with the people I, I went to New York with, and then it then it's uh, Lisa Stansfield, who was my first ever client in music, <clears throat> who did that song um, All Around the World. Yeah, yep. Yeah. All around um, the world. And, and I, 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 exactly. I can't, yeah. I know I can't <laughs> sing. Sorry, guys. So she talks about that period. And then, so there's 39 interviews in the book. So it's really, I link it, but there's 39 people telling the story of <clears throat> the times. And it's not just a book about me. It's a book about, if you like, the relationship between fashion and music it's about the history of styling and and how and how fashion is part of popular culture and and that's it. I mean, there's the the people that are, that talk in the book are Boy George, Bananarama, <clears throat> Philip Tracy, the hat designer. But are so, any of these people um, writing in the book other than Lisa Stansfield and Prince Charles writing the forward? Did you get any of these other big people to write things in the book as well? Yeah, thirty nine of them. Wow. <laughs> Give me so are these all the people you're telling me about now? Yeah. So all of these people. Yeah, Paul Smith, um, he's a fashion designer, John Richmond, fashion designer, <clears throat> uh, the Spice Girls, um, Hamish Bowles from American Vogue, Dylan Jones, the, the editor in chief of British GQ. Um, I don't know if I said Boy George, Lionel Richie, John Legend. It's great. I can't wait for this book the to come out. Backstreet Boys. Um, I mean, and they're all in a period of time when they were relevant. About, yeah, in my life, the fashion. Anyway. Right. You're yeah. saying when when the fashion was relevant, or when the artist was relevant, or both. Yeah, when we or when we were together. When they talk about the period that we collaborated, or or, right. or whatever. So yeah, there's it's other people's voices, and it goes all the way through this kind of thirty year period. The 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 first, but the first chapter of the book. It's called an, um, Another Week in Hollywood. And, and it's me describing one week in award season. Um, and the last chapter of the book deals with 
how uh, the, the, pa- the pandemic really and, and how, how we adapted and how we stopped working and what we did and how we eventually got back into work again over the course of a year. Um, when is the book coming out? October the 29th. Okay. Um, but before, I, before we go any further, I want to know about the Royals. How do you okay. feel about them? Was it, was it exciting to go to Buckingham Palace? Do you watch The Crown or you don't have to watch it? You lived it. I love The Crown. <laughs> okay. Well, I've been to St. James's Palace the first time, which is where Prince Charles was living at that time. It's just down the street from Buckingham Palace. I've since been invited to Buckingham Palace to a garden party um, where you had to wear the morning suit and all that. And that was unbelievable. My, I took my... My father had already been to Buckingham Palace, weirdly. So I took, I could have one guest. So I took my mother um, and, and uh, we were guests of, of Prince Charles and, and, you know, they have these garden parties. So that was kind of amazing. You arrive at the front of Buckingham Palace and you walk through the courtyard, you walk actually through the palace and out into the garden. So that was amazing. Um, yeah, you know, I'm British. I grew up with a kind of reverence for the royal family. And I personally think that what Prince Charles started with the Prince's Trust 43 years ago is such an important thing, probably now more than ever, to give, you know, young people an opportunity to give them, to give people chances. You know, you, you, I feel like you can only make good choices if you're offered good choices. And so many of us, if we don't, um, if we don't fit in in school for whatever reason, you know, like we're not good at sport or we don't perform well academically or we, we make bad choices or decisions and get in trouble with the law, we're kind of, I feel like we write people off when they come out of prison or if, they, if people have issues with drink and drugs, their life shouldn't be over. We should encourage them to, to get through that and then give them opportunities at the other end. I mean- I agree I, with you. I absolutely agree with you. Know, you. I we, think prison reform is, is, is very important and- uh, Yeah, so this charity helps people. So I admire, to answer your question, the, the Prince of Wales for his work that he does with young people. So, um, you know, yeah, I like, I love the crown and- So who styles um, them? I'm just curious, like who styles, um, uh, Prince Charles and his and his sons like is, do they have their own in-house stylist that makes them clothes? Yeah, I think and- that they're called. Um, I don't think they're called stylists. Maybe some of the young female royals have stylists, but right. the the Queen traditionally always had a uh, a uh, like a, a fashion designer. And when I was young, her fashion designer was Sahadi Amis. He's passed away now, but I write about him in my book. He's one of the people that took me under my under his wing at the age of twenty four and. He used to invite me around to his apartment in London and because um, he had a house in the country. But he so he would he would like teach me how to not like didn't know how to eat, but he was like, OK, you need to wear a suit like this and you need to have your nails taken care of once a month and you have to have your hair cut once a month. And I'm going to show you how to how to eat in, you know, like grown-up company if you like right. and talk in the proper proper etiquette yeah with his butler and everything and then when he thought I was ready it's a bit Pygmalion he took me out to eat in London and stuff so but he used to tell me like wonderful stories of, of dressing the queen and everything so um I don't know it's uh, I just think if you if you grow up with a uh an, an with in a country where there's a monarchy you have a kind of an inbred kind of reverence for them um you yeah, know. you're right about that because um, I never understood it and didn't really, you know, was not a fan of the whole 
you know, royal royalty of a royal family until I watched the crown. And when yeah. you watch the crown and it takes you through the decades, and I mean, listen, even if 60% of it is true, which I think much more than 60% of it is true, uh -huh. you know, they were really wonderful people. You know, they were wonderful people through the war. I mean, it was just great. Margaret Thatcher, the way they portrayed her, the way they portrayed the Kennedys. I mean, just all of it was so amazing to watch. And yeah. you know, it makes you have a whole different perspective on them. Yeah, I think it's a really hard job. I think that um, it's known that they they can't really speak out. There's, you know, that it must be extremely frustrating to not be able to defend yourself or to express an opinion, particularly on anything controversial. Um, and I think they sacrifice a lot to, but it's not a it's not a position that they choose. That they are they are literally born into. And and I think that the the monarchy does provide some kind of stability. Um, and uh, for, for for the for the country, you know, yeah. like we don't we don't have this kind of, even though we have elections and we have you know things might swing to the left or the right or back again, and it might become extreme either way. But we've still got this kind of constant thread of our of our monarch, which is a kind of unifying thing. And and the difference with America, I think, is that you don't have that that one kind of unifying presence. And things swing to the left or the right. It seems very extreme. Whereas we have this constant thing that we are all, it kind of signifies Britishness. And I don't know what you have in America that can. We don't have. And you know what? It's being an American when the presidents uh, go in swinging yeah. to the left. I think that there's such division in America right now. It, it really makes me sad. And I think that you're right. Having that Royal family that, and it's funny because I don't, I can't imagine this day and age, like with Meghan Markle, let's say, I can't imagine anyone other than Queen Elizabeth being able to have kept that throne for so long without ever saying a peep. She never let on, never hinted about anything from Winston Churchill to the war, to anything that went oh, on. Yeah. She never uttered a peep. Can you imagine today with all the loudmouths we have now and big mouths and, you know, these uh, holier than thou, you know, royalty, quote unquote, is now I find it's the Hollywood people. They all have so much to say, but yet do so little, except yeah. cause divisiveness. That's what they do is they cause divisiveness. Brad is cringing right now. He doesn't like when I talk about this, but it's important for people to understand. And, you know. Yeah. I, listen, I've, I've never met any of the younger royals. I've met, I met Princess Diana. Um, I've, I've been in the presence of the Queen, but I've never met her. I, I mean, I, I personally have um, a, a respect for the royal family. I particularly have a respect for Prince Charles because the prince's trust literally changed the course of my life. Like I, I, I have this wonderful life where I get to be my authentic self. I'm a married gay man working in fashion, living in Hollywood. Um, and you would never, I could never imagine you, I don't know if anyone could imagine that I would go from this small town being a plumber to this. And the reason I did it is because the prince's trust believed in me and gave me opportunity. And apart from my parents, they're the only people that really believed in me. And, you know, I didn't fit in at school. Probably being gay was a huge part of that. I wasn't, you know, particularly happy on the building site. And, you know, I was kind of drifting around. And I'm one of a million people that this charity has helped, just one. And so for that alone, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect. For what Prince I, Charles and the royal family. Yeah, what I also like about Prince Charles, not that I know him at all and I was never um, 
as a younger man, you know, uh, um, I never understood the royals. But what I will say now that I'm older and I, what I liked about Prince Charles, looking back, he was a very humble man. He always stayed in the background. It's almost as if he was playing a part, a role in a movie, and he stuck by it through his entire life. Well, he's, he's like the when he's like the understudy. And yeah, there'll be but a he moment kept when it. he when he'll, when he when he isn't the king yet. So there'll come a time when you know he'll be king, and that's when he'll step forward, and he won't be the understudy anymore. And I mean, I as the queen gets older, there's you know he's gonna, I you know he takes a increasingly prominent role, but. Um, yeah, he's he's basically waiting for his time, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, do you think that's going to happen? Oh, well, he'll definitely be king. Yeah. Oh, you think he will? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I know he will. Okay, great. I love that. <laughs> I hope he does be king, and I hope you invite us there if you have one guess. <laughs> I definitely don't me, take me with I my big mouth. I wanted to ask me how how I how he came to write the foreword. Yes, I was getting to that actually. It's funny. It's in my notes here. How did you get him to write the foreword? Well. I talked to you a little bit before about how I used to be kind of a little Because it's, bit... not, it's not their style. It's not no. their style at all to even put anything out there to endorse anything. Right. Okay. So at the beginning of my career, we talked about how I would be kind of fearless and, and push and push and push. And then, you know, life takes over and you become a little, you know, whatever. And, 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 and then Rich Fresh pounded me on Instagram made me feel like kind of reminded me a little bit of how I used to be. And I was like, if I really want him to do this, I'm going to have to do it, but I just don't know how to do it. What am I going to do? And I was like, what would, what would I, what would the 22 year old David have done? Right. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I know what I'll do. I'll call the palace. I'll call Buckingham palace. So I Googled the number for Buckingham palace. You Googled it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's there on the internet. Okay. And but I who answers up, the phone? Yeah. Yeah, no, no, the Queen didn't answer that. Yeah. I literally was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. So I, I Googled the number for the palace. I rang from here and I and I said, I'm just going to act super confident. And I said, oh, hello, this is David Thomas calling from Los Angeles. Can I speak to the Prince of Wales's press secretary, please? And they said, oh, could you repeat your name? And I said, it's David Thomas. Like all like super confident. And 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 they put me through. And this and I said, oh, hello. Um, this is David Thomas calling from Los Angeles. The Prince of Wales has asked me to do this book and I would uh, really love it if he would write the foreword. And the voice at the other end of the phone was like, David Thomas, the famous fashion stylist. And I was like, from, from LA. And I, was, and I wow, laughed and I was like, and, and, I, and I was just like, and she said, it's Christina. And it turned out that the, I, knew the, I knew his press secretary because she used to be a music business manager. So it was so crazy. Wait a so minute, does everything fall into place with you? I need some of your luck to rub off on us. <laughs> Listen, I mean, that's literally putting pieces in the puzzle. Yeah, well, they say luck is preparation meets opportunity, right? So yeah. anyway, but that was a lucky thing. Um, she, she just said, look, we're kind of busy right now, but I will put it to the boss. And she said, if you can get here, I got, she said, I have to fly out of town at the end of the week. This is a Monday. If you can get here and come to St. James's Palace and present to me on Wednesday, I'll put it to the boss. So I literally got on a plane, arrived Tuesday, went straight to, no, flew Tuesday, got a car from the airport to St. James's Palace on Wednesday, told her all about the project, showed her what I had already. And um, she said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll put it to 
the, the Prince, Prince Charles. And, and then I flew back home and I didn't really hear anything. And then a couple, like a month or six weeks later, there was an envelope from me, a big brown, like manila envelope with the post, you know, no stamps, but the one of the kind of from Buckingham Palace kind yes, of thing. Yes, the old fashioned. Yeah, like a, <clears throat> whatever they call that. And um, it was the forward from the Prince of Wales. Wow. Yeah. That was a great surprise, huh? Yeah, it was amazing. Did you ever speak to him after or send him an email or something? I don't know, a text I message saying thank you? I wrote to thank him, but then, um, uh, like, I want, I want to say like a year, uh, maybe two years ago, uh, you know, I star Lionel Richie and, he, and he's a close friend of mine. He was flying from Los Angeles to Barbados to meet with the Prince of Wales. And how um, crazy Lionel yeah. Richie and the Prince of Wales, Prince Charles. That's such well, a weird combination, but. Well, the Prince of Wales had invited Lionel to become the first global ambassador for the Prince's Trust. And Lionel, I went around to his house and he said, oh, um, the Prince of Wales has asked me to be the first global ambassador for the Prince's Trust. And, and I sat there and, 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 he, and, I, and I started to get kind of emotional. He's like, what, what's the matter? Why are you crying? <laughs> And I said, I started my career with a grant from the Prince's Trust and I'm doing a book for the, you know, in aid of the Prince's Trust. And he's like, oh, really? And then he said, would you like to come with me? So I flew with Lionel on his private jet to Barbados and um, we were in the, you know, I met the Prince of Wales with, with him there. And Lionel said, oh, do you know, this is my stylist, David Thomas. Do you, and, and the Prince of Wales said, yes, uh, David's doing a book. <laughs> So they go. So so they knew you, isn't it great? Yeah, but it's just such a weird thing that Lionel was like such a huge part of my life, and then had been invited and chose to get involved with this charity, which means so much to me. I think it's amazing. I think you had such an incredible career so far, and I'm curious. I'm excited to see what's ahead with your book coming out, Vanity Project, which I can't wait to get and to read. I know you said it's a coffee table book, and I want to talk about your clothing line, David Thomas X. Yes. Tell me about it. Is it anything I would like? I think you know my style by now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think you would like it. So basically I've spent many years, you know, looking and researching like the, the, you know, what's a great suit, what's a great shirt, what's a great leather jacket, what's a great jacket, just, you know, pieces that, as you mentioned before, maybe kind of not identifiable in terms of, but just great clothes that may then look handsome in the color palette that, that I like and in the cut that I like. You know, I might, you know, that really aren't about trend, but about style. So um, I know- Getting back to me for a second, I know I'm very selfish, but now that you're talking about your line, I just had a thought, would it be stupid for me to take some of my Tom Brown blazers and cut the red, white, and blue tag off of the back? Not at all. I mean, only if you want to resell them, but if you're planning on hanging on to them, then I yeah, know, just, I know. Yeah. Is it something I'm going to regret? I don't know. Cause I'm tempted. I don't really wear them because even that little tag in the back, you know, the, the, the four bar striped shirts and sweaters, I don't, yeah. I won't wear the sweaters anymore. The shirts I'll wear, you know, under blazers. Yeah. And- you, I think that, you know, your taste has evolved and you don't like things that are branded. I'm never going to be wearing anything super branded. And I just wanted to create, Clothes that I couldn't find. You so know, is like, you, are your clothes going to be um, everything from streetwear to formal wear or business wear? What? I, I, I plan to be able to dress, 
you for every aspect of your life. Okay? okay. So I do sweat, but you know, mine are well thought about. They've got a zip on the side, on the pockets, because when you're in the car or on a plane, you don't want all this stuff coming out, but they have no zip pocket on the bum pocket because you scratch your seat leather or you get a numb bum on the plane or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So yes. It's all Can I very- give you tips? I'm sorry. I know I, I want to hear more, but I, now that I've got you, this is what I've been looking for and I'm dying for them. I need swimsuits that look like a pant. You know, Olabar Brown has a great swimsuit, but there's absolutely no stretch in them. So I bought a few pairs. I've t- taken them in and didn't consider that when I'm sitting on the beach, I can't move. You know, it's right. very hard to move. So it needs a little bit of stretch. I don't like swimsuits with a jawstring. I don't like swimsuits that look like I'm wearing boxers. And I certainly don't like seeing men, older men, in these flimsy little cotton stuff with, I just don't like it. I want something that looks like a structured pant with back pockets, front pockets, but that's a bathing suit and that has a little bit of stretch. Something that I could actually walk to, you know, put on a white collared shirt and walk to a restaurant in. You can't find that. And moreover, sweatpants. Why can't you make sweatpants with a zipper and a button? Make it look a little bit like a pant and, you know, a sweatpant. So it doesn't have to look like pajamas. Okay, well, the swimwear brand that you mentioned is somebody that I, that I would hope very much that I'm going to collaborate with. So watch this space. Maybe, I'll be, maybe you'll be able to find your swimwear. Oh, good, David okay. Thomas, Thomas, Davis, David Thomas X. But um, yeah, I just wanted to do stuff that you think about. So I did a suit collaboration with a, with a company called Jack Victor in Montreal. I mean, it's, it's, it's a family-owned business. It's about over 100 years old now. Um, and basically, I, I'm not a designer, but I'm a stylist, and I, and I, um, I kind of curate stuff. So if I can work with great people like I tried to have done through my whole career, I can just tweak things. I know what I like and I, I understand fabric. What have we got there? That, that's your oh, clothes. Your suits, okay. these look amazing. I would wear these in one second. The shoulders are slim. The body is slim. The arms, like, this is great. And there's nothing, let me see, if I see any logos or anything identifiable, not a thing. No, and we, you know, we, we really kind of keep the color palette, you know, Neutral. Cohesive. Yeah. And, and stuff that works together. So uh, the outerwear is a, a collaboration with Golden Bear, another uh, American heritage brand out of San Francisco, who've got years of experience. I mean, they've been making varsity jackets since the 1940s. So our varsity jacket is lighter in weight. I don't know if you, for me, a regular varsity jacket is that really thick wool and it's- It weighs too- down your shoulders. Well, you can't, if you go to a restaurant, I don't want to take that off. My whole outfit's gone. I'm left with a t-shirt and a pair of pants, right? So I know, but aren't we also too old for a varsity jacket? No, we're not. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, we're not. If it's super simple and it, mine are made out of um, like Laura Piana wool and they're, they're super quality and they're just very simple. But, you know, I think cashmere sweaters just, you know, but. I, if I was looking for a cashmere sweater, I'd put it on and suddenly I look really middle-aged because they're kind of like all blousy from here to here. And so it yes. was about making, you know, just a contemporary, what I consider slimmer, contem- yes, contemporary cut, you know, so that, and these, these are clothes that you, you, you can build your closet and just add to every season. You know, we've got, we've added shirting for summer and, and shorts and stuff. And you know, I mean, it's funny, cashmere. I stopped buying cashmere because I find that after one or two wearings, I never like the way they fit. I like a tighter, flatter weave. 
Right. I love the feeling of cashmere, but uh-huh. it always makes me feel older and it seems to stretch out and feel like I'm wearing more sweats. Well, how did you, how'd you look after it? How'd you? Oh, I didn't. Me, how did I do? I wore, probably wore them 10 times before I would even dry clean them. Who knows? Right. Or you can, you know, you can, you can wash them by hand and then lay them flat to dry and they don't go out of shape. I'm not doing that. I'm too lazy. But listen, okay. I love, I love, I love the styling with the sweats. Even here, you see this one? There's this young guy. Now, I don't know if it's because he's 22 years old and a model, but you styled it amazing. Even you made these sweats look great. He's wearing a blazer over it, over yeah, a hooded. I, I call that kind of like um, Sunday dressing, you know. I you love just... that. Now, if I saw him at a restaurant, I'd be like, okay, let me sit next to him, not next yeah. to the 50-year-old dude with cargo shorts and sandals. Well, that's like, you know, you, you want to be comfortable and then you just throw your favorite jacket over the top and – you know, we don't have to be so rigid about how we put clothes together, I think. I call it like, uh, I don't know if this relate, if you'll understand this, but I call it kind of portobello dressing because there's this market on a Sunday in, in England called, or London called the Portobello Road, and that's where I used to hang out. And that's how I would kind of dress to go to the market, just comfortable in clothes I like. And I'm looking at the varsity jacket. Now, no, this is very simple and very cool. I would even wear that. I would wear that. That doesn't right. look like a typical college, like, you know, I'm meeting no, the cheerleader. No, it's light in enough minutes. weight that you can wear it year round. Love you that. don't have to take it off in the restaurant or the bar or whatever because it's not going to be too hot. How can people find your collection, David Thomas X? Um, it, we have an Instagram, which is shop at shop David Thomas X, and a website, which is David Thomas X. So now, guys, if for people that listen to me on this podcast, they always know how I am so critical of everything. V-necks, sweatpants, sandals, everything. So I'm telling you, please, you should look at David Thomas X if you want to look at very fine clothes that are nondescript, that it's all about the fit. That's the whole point. It's got to be about the fit. David, you're really talented. Thank you. I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> I only have a talent of shooting off my mouth. Oh, well. You're good at that. <laughs> I'm good at that. I never even asked about Meghan Markle. I wanted to ask you, but I'm like, whatever. So I'm not going to ask her. <laughs> okay, good. No. So I'm not going to ask you what you think because you're too nice. What do your parents think of Meghan Markle? She's definitely not royal material. Um, I don't think. I don't, I, I, I'm not going to talk specifically about my parents, but I think that there's, um, you know, times change. Times change. Institutions change. I think that everybody has a duty to themselves and a right to be happy. And um, I personally think that in pursuit of our happiness, we shouldn't cause unhappiness to other people. So I'll just leave it there. Okay, that's great. And let, famous words, we're going to use that for our Instagram snippet. That was perfect. David, thank you for being such a sport and for coming on. I'm excited to get your book and to look at more of your clothes. Thank you so much. Purchase some for Brad, especially. Okay. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Same here. Thanks. Bye, David. Bye. You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you liked what you've heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life dot com.